What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. It's my job to dissect peak performance from some of the top performers in the world. Today, we've got one of our GoBundance members on a member profile. His name is Rob Dubrock. He is out of Kansas City, Missouri. He's the founder of OnTrack Storage, big into the self-storage space. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper on him. Rob, brother, welcome. The key to life, it isn't money. It's happiness. And when you measure how happy you are, you actually become even more happy. Our friends at GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, use a very specific tool to measure their happiness. It's called the Life Happiness Index, and you can have it too. Go over to GoBundance.com LHI and take your Life Happiness Index assessment. You'll rate yourself in multiple categories on exactly how happy you are and get a custom output for you specifically that you can use in developing whatever goals you have for your life. GoBundance is the tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. And the tool GoBundance members use at the base of all of that is the Life Happiness Index. Get out there and grab life big. Hey, Jamie. Good Kansas. <laughs> oh, did I say Kansas City, Missouri? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it does roll out. You just warned me. And it does just roll off the tongue. Kansas. Dude, there, it's like there's a bit, there's a, the state line, man. It, it's like a blood zone. Yeah, I, I can't be, I can't be from Missouri. My bad, my bad. It's Crips of You're Blood. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, my fault. My fault altogether. On track storage. So self storage in this environment. I'm curious. Multifamily, we're seeing it. Office, we're seeing it. We're in the middle of 2023. We're a year away from, I think, rates dropping a bit and things being a little bit looser in those spaces. I have no visibility on self storage. What is the, what's the market like right now? Is it the same? Same as all other commercial assets, or is it actually it's still pretty humming along? Yeah. So operationally, there's a bit of a softening in demand. We're not seeing as many movements, but the markets I'm in are not like a 500,000 population MSA. So I think those guys may be hurting a little bit more where, where the REITs are at, but the REITs have, has, in the last three years, they've seen around 20% year over year revenue increases. So coming off of a heater, if it pulls back a little bit, they're still doing all right. I mean, we're, we're doing fine operationally. Four of my six facilities are stabilized and they're above 96% occupancy. So, and the ones that are below, they're just projects that we're, you know, on, on lease up with. So that's operationally, I think we're doing fine. We're still doing rent increases. We're net positive after we did three rent increases this summer. We were still net positive as far as move-ins over move-outs. So that was good. So that that's, that's clipping along really nice. As far as acquisitions i think a lot of the a lot of the sellers have gone away cuz they're not real sellers i think they're opportunistic sellers and then there's motivated sellers and like i'm never a motivated seller i'm an opportunistic seller so the only conversations i've ever had to sell anything i i own have been opportunistic in the la- and and i haven't sold anything but but i only entertained some silly offers and people were willing to pay more than what i thought properties were worth in the last few years so I've averaged, so I, I started in 2020 and I've averaged two facilities a year on the acquisition side. And I've got a couple in the pipe right now. So I think I'm kind of still on pace, but I'm really careful. I don't, I don't overpay. And there's there's got to be some sort of value add component or meat on the bone. And I'm, I'm, I think in the, yeah, I think the conversation's changing where as a, as a investor, as a buyer, you have a few more tools at your disposal. You're not like out there duking it out with people who are willing to pay a ton of money because they can get 4% money is it's forcing us to get creative. So like I'm, I'm going to take on a property 
with a fixed timeline purchase option at the end of where we agree. So we're just kind of getting a little bit more creative. So we may end up doing owner finance deals if people want to do it, you know, time travel and get 18 month ago pricing. But, but yeah, that, that, that's, I'm seeing that the volume of, of deals is kind of less, but like the volume of bullshit is, is less too. So yeah, I think it's just more, more, I don't know. There's not more transactions. There's just less BS to sift through. Makes sense. Are you mostly in Kansas City, Kansas area, that market where you're buying right now or where you have your six six properties or are you in a- No. So the, the first one I bought is uh, 35 minutes south of Kansas City in Pleasanton, Kansas. And then I bought one in Newton, Kansas, which is three hours away. And that one taught me the most. We had somebody like crash into a building. He was on drugs. It was great. He was trying to live there and then he crashed into it. So like we got, we, we learned quite a bit with, with that facility, but the, the big one is it was three hours away. It's a kind of a pain to like, you're not going to just drive out there and drive home, drive out there, do a little bit of work, drive home. So we, we did the drive a few times. Like this is crazy. We've got to learn how to remote manage this. The 30 minutes away from the house, it's like not a big deal. Hey, I'll drive out there. I'll, I'll do X, Y, Z, come home. But yeah, so that really allowed us to cast a net. So I've got three in Kansas and the furthest one that's in Kansas is a three hour drive. I've got two in Missouri, but they're on the other side of Missouri. So Perryville, Missouri, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And then I've got one in Ohio. So that one's random. That one I, I bought for a few reasons, but I wanted to prove that I could operate one that was an airplane flight away, not just a drive. So that one's got its own challenges, honestly. That's one of the ones that's a project that's, that's you know, it, it, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. So most recent purchase or, or is that not what? You know? No, that one, I, I bought that one about a year ago and it was a little bit smaller than I was looking for, but I was trying to get it inside of the, the 2022 tax year and make sure I could depreciate something. So that, that one's not stabilized right now. It was actually, in, so, so the, um, you were asking about the self-storage market. So th- this one market has some interesting forces going on. They've got a lot of supply. There's one gentleman that owns like three facilities there. And the price when I bought the facility that the that the competitor was charging was like $109 for, let's say, a 10 by 20 is a fairly standard unit. And he dropped all the way down to, I want to say, 74. So we saw like a lot. We went from like in the mid-upper 80s occupancy-wise to like 78%. And then, you know, you're trying to lease up and then, you know, the other guy's trying to lease up it's kind of like become a battle of the pricing and, and customer service. So, you know, that, that's, that's one where some things that I didn't expect happened and, and it's okay, but, but that's, yeah, that's probably the, the worst black eye I've got with this, the storage is, is that one. And it just kind of is what it is. We, we may actually get rid of that one. Cause it's just kind of like sits out in orbit as its own thing. So. What the what's the lesson on that? Like as far as you know, was it? It sounds like analyzing a deal, the market that it's in, was supply demand an element that maybe you hadn't factored in at the beginning when you purchased it. Yeah, I think I think I actually just fell in love with the idea of depreciating the heck out of this one. It had a bun- it had multiple portables on it. I was super bullish on just filling this thing up and doing an expansion. But like, wh- why would you do an expansion if you're not even full? So. I think I was just super bullish on, hey, I can turn this thing into, you know, is do it like 5,500 a month. And I go, hey, if I, rate, I, I 
continue to fill it up. I expand it. I can raise rates. I can turn it, you know, into close to 10 grand a month. And, and I was just, I think feeling invisible on it, honestly. And then on the other side of it already had some portables. We were able to depreciate a lot. I, I needed to make that happen last year. So portable, sorry. What, what is a portable? Oh, okay. So traditional storage units are pretty simple. It's like a concrete slab with either a wood framed or a metal pole barn. A portable unit would be something that you usually buy them in like pack, like 12 of them at a time. They cut, ship flat pack. You can assemble them on the property. So cool thing about those is they are, well, last year they were 100% bonus depreciation. This year they're 80%. So we are going to do some this year at a different facility, but they're really easy to throw up. And then another advantage is on small lots, you can push them to the lot line. Whereas like buildings, you may have to be 15 feet off or whatever the, whatever the city requires. Why, why did you go self-storage versus multifamily or some other asset class? Yeah, I was, I was actually chasing multifamily. And then there was a guy, I actually, I was on the phone with one of the owners of a, of a storage facility where I had my camper stored at. And I was just curious cause I'm, you know, dabbling in real estate. Like who owns this kind of thing? And she goes, oh, my husband and I. And so I said, oh, okay, cool. I'm looking to buy some apartments. And I'm just talking to people. You tell everybody, if you're looking to buy something, one of the lessons for any of the listeners is just like, just tell everybody you're buying that. You, you never know. You tell a thousand people, maybe one person will have a deal. So her husband called me back later that week and said, hey, my wife, Christine said, you're looking to buy some apartments. So uh, would, I have some three hours away in Newton, Kansas. Uh, I have five of five five multifamily buildings. I'll sell one a year because I'm trying to spread out the tax burden. So cool. Toured them. Guy was super honest. His name's Jason. And th- there were, it was just, he was going through the reality of self-managing. Like he had 400 doors at the time and he's like bubble gum and duct taping everything together. And he's like, that's how I'm profitable. I don't know how you're going to, you're going to hire a property management company. You know, a plumbing call is going to be an you know, emergency call, he's like, we just show up and fix it, right? And it costs $3 to fix it. You're going to pay 200 every time somebody shows up. So he was questioning profitability on my behalf, even though it was like a 12 cap because he just had no expenses. So I asked, okay, so why are you selling all these? And he goes, oh, I'm going all in on storage. He was tired of dealing with delete, like it's 400 doors of, of residential is a lot for a self-managing person. And he is just, he was beat down. And then tenant landlord laws are a lot different for storage and, and, and multifamily. So I mean, multifamily is great, but the pain I saw and he communicated like just by being super honest, I was like, I, I was driving back. I had a friend with me and he's like, well, what's your takeaway from that one? I go, I think I'm going to get in storage. Like we can just skip this whole 14 year building cycle of he built his whole, you know, that was my dream. Like he's at the end of my dream and he wants out. And so yeah, we just like skip skip that whole process and uh, yeah, jumped into jumped into storage. So, what is the disadvantage from your perspective of going self storage versus multifamily, if any? Well, people don't need storage, right? You need somewhere to put your head, and so I see that if if Americans become less consumers, or let's say like, do you have an aging population right now that is just stuck to their stuff? And maybe the newer generations aren't as emotionally attached to things. I could see that being a, an issue. Another downside to storage is it's easy to build. It's it's a, a concrete slab, some framing. You don't even need electrical, right? So supply is is a 
big risk. You know, the the enemy of self-storage is self-storage. So that's, yeah, for me, those are the two downsides, but there's a lot of positives too. <laughs> how do you, how do you stand out? How do you ensure that? Because look, there's always going to be the need for it. So what strategy have you seen or are you implementing to make sure that, because you're right, that those things could shift. Somebody does build or whatever it might be, but how do you ensure that you're still the one standing in any given market? Yeah. So we answer the phone. <laughs> we just make sure the phone's answered. In a lot, the crazy thing about storage is they're typically in the markets that we're in, they're, you know, a third tier market, tertiary markets. They're not ran by a REIT. They don't have a full-time manager. Maybe they're they're most likely not big enough to support the salary of a full-time manager. So this is a person with a full-time job that's an insurance agent or a, I don't know, it could be a dentist or, or somebody that has a an income earning job. And this was just some sideline because they had some cash and they're, you know, maybe that they have an idea that's going to be their retirement or whatever. But I mean, we're finding that in markets. So, so that sets us apart. The person who answers the phone closes the sale, right? They could call three storage facilities. They call us, we answer the phone. Now price doesn't matter. It, it's about having the supply when somebody needs it. So, I mean, we're in markets where somebody has their pricing posted on the side of a building and they're 50% or like we're 50% more than them. So like if if they were $100, we might be 150. We answer the phone and we close the sale. And there's a cost to that, right? You 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 have a cost to software that makes sure people are paying on time and don't get auctioned off. And there's a cost to having somebody on the phone and that and that's kind of what we explain to people if but really like it doesn't get generally doesn't get questioned. Yeah. What's a mistake that you made maybe on the first purchase that you made? on the purchase, on managing that asset, on what you learned in the in the process of acquisition or, or taking it over or repositioning it, that you now don't repeat, that you learned, that you didn't repeat on the sixth asset that you purchased? Yeah. So I think the, the big mistake that I had was using keyed locks. I didn't have any system set up to where a, we could t- let a customer in to a unit that was locked up remotely. So I had an issue where we were on a vacation. I wasn't going to be home for like three days. I locked somebody out for non-payment and paid in like four months. Guy calls me, hey, I'm so sorry. I got my credit card right here. Like, cool. And so take his credit card info. He goes, all right, I need in. When can you be here to open it up for me? And I'm like, three days? And he was livid, like flew off the handle. I'm like, hey, guy, you had like four months. But this was like, ruining his wife's like Thanksgiving weekend because she wanted to set up their Christmas tree or I mean it was something silly but it it, it was what it was so after that I, I mean I felt terrible they have a, a lock company called DaVinci and they have an app that kind of integrates so they, they have a, a database that logs a serial number in combination with a the the combination code and then also lock status that integrates with our tenant management software so like for a move-in, you could do a move-in now at two in the morning and get texted the code to get in your unit as long as you've signed your all your agreements, provided identification, all that stuff. So I think it's like I didn't have the right system set up would probably be a more complete answer to like operate efficiently. And so over time that's worked. And then I don't think it was a mistake, but like me answering the phones, it's the it's it's not scalable, right? So you have to put people in place to do things for you, but you can't afford that with the first one, right? So I don't know, the first 18 months, I just bootstrapped it and ran it, learned the business and learned it enough to hire somebody to do that. And then we're continuing to hire. 
So makes sense. The one other quick thing I was thinking about from a tax perspective, tax tax depreciation perspective, is yep. is is self storage less depreciable than say multifamily or retail? Yes. Yeah. There's less mechanical components. You're not depreciating like HVAC units. The I mean we have like we have a lot of like roll up doors, but I think our percentage. Gosh, I want to say it was like. 25% or 20 or 25% on average. I, f- I forget what the actual number was. Um, I just kind of got that. 25% of the total value is the purchase. Yeah. Reachable versus 16. something, something like that. And I, and I could be wrong. It, it varies. Cause we got, when we had that facility that had all of the portable buildings, they just section 179, those things. And, and that was killer. Like, I think that one brought it up close to 50. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Right. That's, it's interesting just to go through that because yeah, you do have the trade-off, right? Like, so, okay, Greg, you get more depreciation, say, on multifamily or retail, but God, retail and office right now scare the hell out of me. And on the multifamily yeah. side, I, yeah, I've owned my portfolio of 40 units directly. We've sold them all, but man, tenants are a pain in the ass. They're a pain in the ass. <laughs> you might have that, like you said, of the guy, you know, pays, of course, the three days that you're away on on vacation, but you put a system in place and that kind of rectifies it, right? So yeah, so that so on, on that story though, now he could log on, pay, and he'd get a text to open it up, or he could pay, call my customer service rep and she'd give him the combo right away. So yeah, we eliminate that. Tenants are so it's a small percentage, right? It's not even eighty twenty. I mean, it's like it's like under one percent that are a pain. Like most, most of them are great. Most of them auto pay, whatever, or they're, they're move in, move out, whatever, without a hitch. But there's like this half a percent that are just, it, it, it's got to be, you know, that's probably the mix of the population too. There's just this small percentage of people that <laughs> suck. Yeah. So, and multifamily, it's not, it's a higher percentage. Yeah. What, one thing that I, I, so now I'm going into another thing I would have done different was, so by answering the phones, the big mistake there was people know you're the owner and they could tug on your heartstrings, man. I'm not a I'm not a, a jerk. You know, I wouldn't be evicting a single mom on on Christmas Eve from her apartment, but you know, you get all these stories. Everybody's got a story. And right now it's like it, there's a separation between like customer service rep and they can be firm and fair and and we'll generally always make a deal the first time as long as you're communicative and all that. But there when it comes time to enforcing that firmness, it, it's so much easier to have that buffer in place and not not get the yeah the nastiness directly as the owner. So that's honestly it's the brilliance of corporate structures. You know, you've got the line level people who got their marching orders; they can they can abide by it. But why do people ask for the supervisor and the manager and the regional manager and all that stuff? Because there's somebody in the chain that doesn't want to deal with it, and they're not going to send it to the next level because the next level is too big to deal with it. Right? right. They figure it out. So. Same man, like when I had, when I managed my my own portfolio, stupid. I should have hired a manager right out of the gate. But I remember going to one of the properties like a Saturday, it was supposed to be for like ten minutes, to do something quick, and it was like a fucking zombie apocalypse. Right, I walk in, I'm talking to this one tenant, she's getting loud. That opens up like the upstairs doors, and these tenants come like out of there. They come down. I got like eight of them surrounding me. My son is there. Right. And I'm there for like three hours trying to like oh my God. press everything of theirs and keep them calm. And we're going to sue you. And then I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's a pain. I'll take the 25%, you know, property land value depreciation over, over the 60 or 70% in the multi right. all day, all day. Yeah. Or, or just be a little bit more spaced off. I think yeah, I'd be right. more apt to like, I think multifamily is a great asset, but I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be that close to running it. So. 
neither did I. And we did hire a manager after that. It's funny, like the guy said, and I, this was funny because we had the same concern. It's like, I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone. We're still repositioning. I don't know if we can hire a manager and cash flow. We hired a manager. We were paying more and we cash flowed more. Within two months, we cash flowed more because I was out of the way, right? They were actually bringing yeah. market rents and they, were, they weren't panicking if, if an apartment didn't rent two days after it listed and dropping the price. They were keeping it firm and, you know, continuing to push right. it. Good marketing, like, all those things, that guy that had boarded you, and it's like, guarantee, he put a manager in place, it would have been a way easier management, you know, oversight of his entire operation. But you know what happened? There's, be there's beauty there. Did What's he, that? Did he buy a bunch of, did you ever keep up with him? Did he buy a bunch of self -stuff? Oh, yeah. We, we go, yeah. He he has a project up here in Kansas City. And uh, yeah, we see each other frequently, go get dinner. Actually, it's, it's funny because, so he actually handed me my second deal in that same town, Newton, Kansas. That's like where, where he's from and lives, but he spends most of his weeks up here doing projects in KC because they get more rents. Like for a new, new construction development, the math doesn't work down in Wichita right now, at least for what he's doing. So, but yeah, I see him all the time. He ended up selling that to su that stuff off to a group and, and it worked out great. He's actually, so I think he's got like a 12, $15 million boat and RV storage up here he built. That's it's great, it's mostly stabilized. I'd say he's probably 88% occupied now. and especially with boat and RV sales kind of tanking. I think he built his last building. It's mostly empty, except I park my stuff there now. But he's building contractor garages and those things are filling up. I mean, it'll be like a $30 million build out, like like valuation once it's done. But he's he his strategy is cool for development. He'll build, like he's building with the contractor garages two at a time. So put two up and then fill it 80% and then order the next two buildings. Fill eighty percent. Order the next two buildings. So he's on his like third row, but that it's cool. I mean, he's mentored me through a lot. But we, we go out to dinner, go get steaks or whatever. And one thing in twenty twenty one, I'm just like obsessed with like getting this business going and force appreciation and and the storage he he had built before that he was operating in the same town as us. He hadn't raised rents on, on anybody. He just wasn't keeping things with market. And I got to kind of talking shit. It's like, why are you only charging 75 bucks? We're getting like 105 for the same thing. So he's brought his rates up and I don't have the numbers with me, but it's like significant. I want to say it was like 70 grand a year or something that like he, he, he wrote me an email with kind of a case study and it's like 300 units, 330 units. And he's like, this is what my revenue was monthly in 20 and then 21 when you started running your mouth. <laughs> and, then, and then look at now, he, he had just done a bump and he goes, this is my new rent roll. Isn't this insane? And so it's pretty cool. So we just kind of feed off each other and, and run ideas back and forth. So that's, that's been a great friendship. 70 grand as his additional revenue per month or for the year? Oh, for the year, for the year. Yeah. That's, that's still that's significant. Out of five caps, 1.4 million in value, you know? Uh-huh. That's yeah, I did. I did a. Ca I I shared the case study on on Instagram because like like with the actual numbers, like showing the email, because I was just like, dude, just from. I mean, that's the power of like collaborating with other people moving the same way. Is like, yeah, dude, you just made like a million bucks of of net worth by listening to a guy who's talking smack while you're drinking beers. Like, how awesome is that? Like, that life doesn't get much better than that. That's incredible. So. But it's the it's the game though. It's like in engagement with people that are playing the same game. And like constantly up in it. So yeah, it's fun. You brought your wife, Jenny, to the Austin. I'm, I I think I'm 99% accurate on that. Jenny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 
in that room, yeah. I could just be Jenny and I'd get like eight out of 10. There was all. Yeah, there was like, there was, yeah, they were all Jennies. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, I remember right. Jenny's not exactly, you know, miss like, oh, I'm so outgoing and extroverted and I want to hang out with somebody. <laughs> thing. Yeah. To talk about that, because I think, you know, I think a lot of guys listening that are in GoBundance or people that are, are interested in to think about like involving their family. What was that dynamic? Right. How, how did you get, how, what was the discussion? What was the agreement? Why did you bring her and how did you could no, okay. the best way to put it? So as with anything in life, like if you want to get something done, remove the friction. So I knew there'd be some hesitation because there was these like, like you said, maybe, maybe she wouldn't go out of her way to go to a big social event or go to one of the, one of her events. So I coordinated for the kids to be watched, but my parents were happy to watch them. They left having them over. I booked first class tickets to Austin already had the hotel room and I just paid the fee to attend the event for her. And I, and I said, Hey, look, I removed all obstacles. Oh, and I booked the dog at boarding, whatever. So I just, I had everything set and I think it was a week or week before I just said, Hey, I'd love to have you. The kids can stay with my parents. I've already coordinated that. I booked your ticket, whatever. And if not, I totally understand. Just took pressure off of it, took friction out of it. And she was really glad she went. I think her perspective, perception of it was going to be like a bunch of stuffy, you know, rich dudes and stuffy wives. And, and that was like quite the opposite. You know, when you, when you get in a room with people that have, so like GoBundance has the hurdles to, to join, it just automatically removes like trying to prove something. Okay. This guy has at least had to have some level of success to be in this room. He belongs in this room. I belong in this room. Like we're, we're here. So like, like, let's get past that bullshit of proving that my dick's bigger than your dick kind of thing. So that that's nice. And it, it just, yeah, I think a lot of the other uh, women that were there, like it sounded like a after somebody had tossed her the mic, I think Jake Harris tossed her a microphone to ask her about her experience. And then after that, a few of the women came up and were like, oh my gosh, I was feeling the same way. Like I did not want to come here. I did it because my husband always comes back and is like, oh, I had such a great time. And, and now, and you know, they see the changes. Like when you come home and you're like, hey, I learned X, Y, Z. Hey, I'm going to do this or some guy was talking smack and now I'm going to do a challenge to, you know, like a health challenge or wh whatever the thing is. So uh, she liked it. I think there, she, she probably isn't wild about breath work, <laughs> but, but no, she had a good time. I walked in. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a proponent of it. I, I did a breath, breath work at the retreat I did down here uh, in the Dominican. I'll do it again for the one we're doing in November, but I think it's impactful, but it is a funny sight because I wasn't in the room for it. I, I, you know, I left when there was, you know, everybody was kind of sitting around listening to whomever. I don't know who was on stage at that point. And when I came, when I came back, everyone was like on the floor with towels on them. There's like balls making noise. People are crying. It was this whole scene, like the the scene. Yeah. Like if it's, it, I could see where, especially if you're not, yeah, you may be into that stuff where it's like, okay, did this just go, do we drink Kool-Aid now? Like well, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> I, think, that crazy. I think I even- I think it was just lost. I think it was just long. I think that was the whole thing. It was just long. Like, hey, let's, you know, that that was kind of the feedback. You're like, that was a long time. I was just wondering, this is, how long has it been? <laughs> so, or whatever. The uh, the next, yeah. I don't remember when I, I went up with Itzler, Jesse Itzler, and I said to yeah. them, man, if you brought your wives to convince them that you're not in a cult, you picked a bad event for that. Just because. Right. <laughs> and um, the hugging, right? The hugging. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah. How did you want the <laughs> hugging? Was it weird for her? I think she did good. Yeah. She hugged two other Jennies and there was a little bit of a height difference. I think Jenny Baldwin, Dustin's wife, was pregnant at the time. So it was like 
kind of a lean over and around a bulge. But no, that was a that was a that was a good one too. So very cool. What's her perspective now as far as going? Is she going to come to the next one? Are you guys? I'm just curious what the what the shift was. Like, I think this is. I'm talking to the abundance guys, especially listening. Like this is a topic that guys bring up. Like my wife, she's like, "Have your boys thing. Leave me alone." How has that shifted, if it has at all? Is it just, ah, great, I did it once. Cool, thanks, Rob. I got to see it. I'm out. Just curious. You're- yeah. Hey. So now she wants to go to, like, all the events and not necessarily attend the events. Like, I, I brag up, like, a Coney has got this awesome Ritz-Carlton, and I was bragging that up. She's like, well, can I go? And I'm like, uh, well, she really likes, like, reading and getting a massage and stuff. I'm like, what a what an awesome, like, two-day thing. I go do my thing. You go do your thing. So... We've done a bit of that, but yeah, she, she's going to come back. We're going to go to the Austin thing. So yeah, I think the perspective changed a lot. So she's like, I hope we don't do a bunch of woo woo stuff, but <laughs> up to Matt. Uh, yeah. See what he says. We'll see what he says. What's next for you. So you're obviously, you know, want to expand your portfolio. I assume are there other things that you're interested in, in getting done? Like what's the next thing for you? Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying to, I got two th- major initiatives right now. I think right now is like a good, like make sure that the house is in order period of time, make sure we're running things correctly, really get marketing dialed in. Like for the first time we're spending money on marketing to, to fill up facilities, but I've got, so I've got two things. One, we're like, we're building our property management business up and we're starting to take people in that are not like just in-house we're like, I've got all my stuff. My first facility will start in October that we have lined out. So we're going to start picking that up. That might be like a, a nice way to help people. Like we meet owners that aren't necessarily willing to or willing to sell or excited about selling. And then we might come in and, and give them an option and say, hey, well, we'll manage it for like three years and then we can exercise an option and and try to create a win-win there. Or people who, you know, they were stuck on a price and maybe that price isn't lendable right now. So we're we're gonna we're building that up right now. I'm excited about that. Then I've got Storage Academy. So we're launching a podcast. Myself and another GoBundance guy who's in storage. We are, you know, let's see. We are focused on helping others. Maybe like just like skip, just take a skip in learning and, and not have to just search all over and fumble and and it's just a lot easier to, yeah figure things out if somebody's helping you along with operations. So I don't know if you can like. Victor, I just had Sam. Of- no, no, I just had Sam Wagert on. Have you met Sam or no? I have not. Well, Sam's had a shot. He's a young guy. He's like 32. He's been at GoBuns for a decade. I mean, just to give you an idea. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's done some cool stuff. He bought a, a, a karate studio. I'm probably saying that way too basically. Whatever. Uh, martial arts. That's the word. Okay. Yeah, it was like 15 with his parents, right? The, the, the guy wanted out and Sam was his top student. So he bought it 15, then expanded it and ended up selling it later. But he said, man, you know, the one thing that the guy that sold it to me did was also said, because he knows I'm 15, I will hire a consultant as part of the agreement of selling it to you to help you, you know, like in the business side of it, to help build the business side of it. That was the most valuable thing I got. He goes, I don't know how right. anybody starts a business without a consultant, somebody to consult with. Right. And that sounds like what you're offering to folks. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of tripped up on my delivery. So like basically the, the self-storage education right now is very fragmented and there's not anything out there for operators that like takes you real deep into the weeds and really operating well and, and taking the next step from like, so everybody makes fun of the mom and pop, but you're just, 
you're just going to be the bomb and pop that's tripping over their their own self. So everyone says, well, just hire some VAs. Well, how about we, okay, if you want to do that, great. Let's train your VAs. Let's train whoever you're, you could hire somebody local. You could have your spouse answering the phones. Like whoever it is, it's going to be your customer service. They need to know how to do customer service. And instead of you fumbling like I did for 18 months, how about we just put a guide together, some training with some testing, and you can just say, hey, take this. And then you can focus on whatever part of the business that, you know, like I'm three years in now and it's a hell of a lot different of, of an experience for me and growing it and running and working on the business versus it was like really in the weeds or like doing clean outs. And like we have a profile that really works for hiring our boots on the ground, like our local part-timer help. We find folks that are retired or handyman profile or a veteran profile, somebody with like that, that can't just sit still. Maybe they don't... Ooh, we, we, our pay ranges from, you know, like 20 bucks an hour and they might get two hours a week. It, it just depends on what the facility is. It might be 200 bucks. It might be 800 bucks. It just depends on, and that's not like a livable full-time wage. That's like gig work, right? So how do we find people with get, you know, we'll teach people how to find the gig worker and you can just give them this training and, and have them trained up and mod modify whatever, whatever you need. But like, there's these just basic things that I think it, it's a shortcut. And then also part of that is community. And it would be cool to have events. Like I looked at your event where you had a bunch of people in the Dominican at that Epic house. and like, well, that'd be a cool way to pay for vacations. Like it, I think a lot of people would pay for, well, I know for a fact people pay to be around other people that are in the same business. I know the value creation that's there. So it's like, well, I'll just go, I'll, I'll put a mansion on my card and, and we'll put some structure to it and have an event. I think it, I think that that really would be, I don't know, that's living for me. Like if I can add value to other people in that way and, and all that. So you should do, you should just enroll to come down to my event so you could observe and learn for your, ah, there you go. How you <laughs> well, that's how you, pitch. there you go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, let's dive into these GoBundance questions. We have six pillars in GoBundance, bucket list adventure, horizontal income, age defying health, genuine contribution, authentic relationships, and extreme accountability. And which of those six pillars are you, Rob, crushing it? Bucket list adventures. I, I think <laughs> it's like, it's chaotic. I just feel like I've been on this travel vacation binge, but I went on, I listed them out. I had been on 12 trips this year and that is a lot. It's the end of August. What stands out? What's the one that, that stands out the most? Maui was, yeah, Maui just was amazing. Ma Maui and Alaska, like, yeah, you can't beat those two places. They're kind of complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But do we, yeah, we went, went to Maui and this was the first time, like the prior time I went to Maui, I hadn't hired somebody to answer the phones for me and I was still running all the storage stuff. So with the time zone difference, I woke up, I had like seven missed calls. And so I started the day in this just like with a ton of stress and I wasn't able to just let it go. I felt like I was just dropping the ball on my business. This time, like Emily was working the phones and busy, like checked in a couple times. I was working like an acquisitions thing. So that was, that was, you know, but that's like fun work, not stressful work. So yeah, it was like the first time I was like able to really chill. So yeah, I, yeah, Maui was awesome, which re really weighs on me right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff going on over there or that went on or still is going on over there is insane. Yeah. Did you see, yeah. did you see the Biden stuff? With him going over there? Oh, what a joke. <laughs> like, What's that? It's insulting. Yeah. Oh, they're it's terrible. So 
I mean, there's a lot of people missing. A lot of those are kids. And like, yeah, I, I, I was actually talking like the, the next one was going to be like, you know, a, a pillar where I'm struggling with. And, and when that happened, I, I told Jenny, I'm like, well, I mean, I, I've had a, a couple of charities that really speak to me, but we spent so much time on Maui and like just the devastation and the, the kids, man, like the kids off school. It's just like, really it's just crazy. So yeah. But yeah, it's a joke when, yeah, the Biden thing was a joke. Oh my God. All it's like it. The, 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 joke, the joke about the dog. Oh, it must be the ground must be hot. No, no kidding. Are you crazy? Like, yeah. I know, I mean, whatever. And I'm sure he didn't eat anything by it, but fuck. And then you get into, well, we could kind of relate because we had a kitchen fire 20 years ago. And then yeah, I, save us. It's like, what is going on? It's like, are we in the are we in the are the matrix? What the hell has happened here? Sorry, go ahead. No, we just need to stop having such old dudes. I mean, like that are just is just disconnected from reality. Like, is that the majority of of folks? I don't think so. It, it's unfortunate. It's but it it sucks like to be embarrassed about that and how how that's handled. Other stuff too, but like you know it, that thing that's tragic. So terrible, but, terrible. All right, tell me about the pillar that you need more. It sounds like maybe genuine contribution. I uh, need more support and accountability. Uh, I, I think I figured it out. In, 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 in figuring that out, like remove friction, set up a donor advice fund. One, you're not going to get spammed with, a, like you give to one org and then now your email inbox is full about every single fundraising. And, and that was, yeah. So I think I have that figured out. I think the the period for me that, that I'm going through is is not allowing that bucket list adventure, like being awesome, like doing all these trips, derail me from health goals. Like if I'm home for a while, I can get in a, in a cadence, but I actually have like a pod specifically for this, but just getting in a pod, it doesn't like fix it. Like you have to show up and do the work and what are you doing when nobody's looking? Well, not doing the work consistently. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this like season of getting back into a routine and all that. So yeah, for, fortunately, I've got three good guys that are like, yesterday it was like, hey, Rob, where's your workouts? Because you share your workouts like daily. I was going to ask, <laughs> and what, I you, haven't been. What, what is that pod? That's interesting. Like, what, what, how have you structured it? Uh, a health pod? So Eric Quinn had invited me to this. Well, he has like a micro tribe that's like all guys that are tr- trying to improve on their fitness. And then I'm actually in his like fit pod. So there were a few guys trying to lose weight last fall. So Eric Quinn, Robin, Carlos Rivera. And they wanted a fourth. So I got asked to be in. And so I think towards the beginning of the year, but yeah, I mean, a couple of the guys are just crushing it, got trainers, super consistent. And then, you know, there's like me struggling <laughs> to, to show up, but that's, yeah, I got, I, I'm, I've kind of gone in spurts with that, but yeah, good group of guys, not afraid to call each other out. So that, that's been super helpful. Is that the Robin, Robin Kanjit? Yes, yes, yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm trying to think of yeah. Yeah. Three Florida guys, and then you got me in Kansas City. So yeah, yeah. Well, Eric's kind of back and forth. So Denver, Florida, yeah. Denver. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, I just saw him like two weeks ago. I stopped by his house in Denver. So yeah. our, our kids were uh, maniacs together. Oh, they lost a rat. He had they had pet rats, and they lost the pet rat in the house. They do that pet rats. Yeah, I don't know. They only live like two years. Pet rats. That's you know? wild. I know. I know. It's I did like- not know that. Yeah, so you get a pet that's going to be gone in two years. Good thing for the parent, I guess, but God for That's a good thing for the parent, for sure. <laughs> All right, in what area of your life are you potentially flirting with disaster? Oh, this is a... So time management, time blocking, 
channeling the uh, superpower, the ADHD superpower, making it the superpower, not the detriment, that whole thing. So I've, I'm actually, I'm rereading, rereading this book, which is like Game Changer, Faster Than Normal, Peter Shankman. So what are some of the things from that that really, really stand out? I mean, time blocking is, is like the biggest thing for me, figuring out what works and what doesn't. But the, he goes into atomic habits a lot, like setting up regiments. I think we thrive on, on regiments. So I just have like, so Mondays I'll have a time block of four hours. That's a one specific type of work. And so I'm a work in progress on that stuff. Oh, uh, you know, the, that that's something that like I'm not willing. I went on uh, like Adderall back. I had a corporate job. I was doing credit and collections, like calling and fixing accounting issues. And my doctor said that is the worst type of job for uh, your condition. And all oh, what condition? Oh, she's like you have adult ADHD, which like whatever. Everybody gets the, like you can just say you can't. Yeah, everybody can get diagnosed with that. But she put me on Adderall, and it was like crack. And I'm just yeah. So for me, I'm I'm trying to figure out there's some supplements like lion's mane whatever some nootropics you can take but man for me it's just behavior control and discipline yeah yeah you ever microdose i've not microdosed should i do it i'd be i'd be open to medicating that way but you know like the pharmaceutical one i'm like i don't want the legal mess so i'd try it's not intended to be a replacement for adderall or anything but i when i we don't do it here because we just don't know about the laws and the dr on on my on mushrooms i don't want to be in jail somewhere but yeah like a 0.2 milligram capsule three days on two days off kind of thing it does okay. that it levels it levels me out it just like my brain is always like going going and then yeah it's like you know shiny object this way shiny object that way and it just sort of it just sort of takes the takes the 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 speed off it almost just sort of slows things down or allows me to stay in it not just not focus focus like i've seen people on adderall that are like you can't even break them. Like they're just in whatever it is they're in. But it does, it's like, it feels very natural to me to kind of, kind of just, I don't know, keep you concentrated or focused or at least aware of where you are in that moment. So that's one thing. One, one of the behaviors that I was talking to a coach about was, well, he said that it's not, so procrastination, ADHD is not necessarily like a shame. I think it was like, you're motivated by shame and guilt is what some people say. And actually it's decision fatigue is what's the, another school of thought. And so one of the things I'm working on, and that also in Shankman's book, he talks about it is just removing options just on silly things. Like with food, it's like, Hey, the meals are already figured out for the week. Don't have to think about that with, with clothes. Like I started wearing more plain shirts, no logos, right? Just like grab a plain shirt. I got like, I like melon hats throw it on, whatever. I did have a decision. I was like, well, which hat do I wear on Jamie Shaw's wearing, wearing a GoBundance hat on a, on a, on Jake's podcast last week. And so I was like, I think I'll switch my hats up, but that was a decision, man. That was a tough one. <laughs> See, you're, you're burning so, energy. That's why I wear black shirts every day. And honestly, man, like yeah. that's one of the perks of living here where labor's so cheap. Like everything's done for you, right? We have, we have two ladies, seven days a week, everything's done. My meal just arrives, right? The, the clothes are yeah. clean. The house is clean. Like all the time, everything's done. So it does remove that. It's a it's a, a big reason we decided to stay for another year, to be honest with you. Our, our, yeah, that was our, our brain damage topic in the house was a lot of fatigue around the food. So we figured that out and, and that gets prepped. So 
That was, man, that's hard with, because we got a lot of like, you know, always stay away from gluten and dairy and like all the seed oils and stuff. And then like when you get down to it, every recipe that looks good that you find in a cookbook does not adhere. You're like, oh crap, what do I do? So it's a joint effort. And I'm like, this is, this is like messing me up. I can't, I can't even think about this. Let's, let's, let's just get somebody that can actually do this right. Smart, (laughs) smart man, smart man. What is one specific thing? I'm sorry. One, but what specific way has GoBundance impacted your life? All right. So I, I joined GoBundance probably like everybody else thinking, Hey man, I'm joining the tribe of millionaires. I'm going to learn how to make even more money, but that hasn't been the case. I, I mean, I've, every year I've grown, but it was, it was funny that the first, yeah, the, I went to Park City was my first event a couple of years ago. And, and what came out of that was like, just the areas in life that were more important than the the money piece that I needed to focus on. And then, you know, like I had written some goals on my one sheet that was like, be a better husband. <laughs> and I remember it was like, okay, what does that mean? So it was like, do you, is being a good husband listening or is it take going on a date night once a week or whatever? And so I, I mean, I got challenged because I had all these like, man, I, I just look like a great guy. It's like, be a great dad. That's a goal. Well, how do you measure that? It, it's an outcome, but what do you put into that? It's like, okay, I, I have a goal right now, like ride dirt bikes with my kids 50 times this year. And on my habit tracker, there's like a ride, ride dirt bikes with kids. And I'm behind, I'll admit, it's been hot. It's like 101 degrees. And uh, I think heat, heat index are like 116 today. So nobody was out riding dirt bikes, but that's, with the go bonus guys, it's like a lot of like, okay, so you want to be this version of you, like let's back into what it looks like. And what do you got to do to do that? And, and so that's been good. And then, and then just being able to like be vulnerable or open with finances. Like when you're talking about growing your business, you, you can talk to somebody who's a relatable who's doing something similar. It might be a different line of work. Not everybody's in like, I'm in storage. That's just a niche. I was on a trip with a guy with Nick Uhas, who's a YouTuber and he's got big dreams. And it's like, well, you can like talk about numbers without judgment, but if either one of us went to maybe a group of family members, even who are supposed to be the closest people to you, it might get a little awkward or, or, you know, a, just a local group of friends or your fantasy football league from high school. Like, dude, you, you can't talk about a lot of the stuff. So in order to be the, the, the best version of yourself, you just gotta, gotta be able to talk about it. So I, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's yeah. One, one thing, not very specific. No, it's a, I think that's very specific. It's it's funny. You're making me think about, so you've been in about two years. I'm going on five. Yep. And I, I think we, we get to a point where you forget, or this becomes very normal, and you forget that it wasn't normal previously to have goals like that, like a date night with the wife or 50 uh, runs or whatever it might be. Well, were you at the San Francisco event last April? Yeah. Yeah. With the exhibit. Yep. So I had Alvin. Yep. Alvin. I had lunch yep. with him because we were prepping for his his you know interview on stage. And yeah. I, I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about like, yeah, no, we schedule our date nights every Wednesday or maybe it was Saturday because I was living in the US at that point, whatever. We have our date nights every Saturday. And he was like, whoa, he's like, this room is crazy, man. Like guys here like schedule their dates and they have like like goals for how many exercises they're going to do. It's like, it's crazy. And this is a guy you look at, I mean, exhibits, yeah, he's huge I mean, as a first and then as like a pop culture icon on, on Pimp My right. Ride. Not an unsuccessful guy. Yeah, it was this unique thing. And it was like, wow, I guess I forget that sometimes. Like the things we talk about, the things we bring up, the what the culture is in a GoBundance, if you're in it long enough and you've been in it long enough, become very normal. And so it's like constant, like what you did, get another pod to challenge you on health. Otherwise you could just sort of be, 
average amongst yeah. the above average, if you will. If that right. sounds, sounds really, that doesn't sound the way I wanted it to be, but you, you get my point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What advice would you give to a new or prospective member of any abundance community? I would try to find a lane and stay in it. Like when you when you get in a group like Go Abundance, there's like there's so many like let's say micro tribes in the group or groups that it, like guys that do all sorts of different cool things that make a ton of money doing it. So I got in and I was like, oh man, crypto, that sounds great. NFTs, okay, is anybody doing that or whatever? Amazon stores, all this stuff that I had no clue about, and or you know, like for me, vacation rentals or whatever it is, or a certain like there's so many niches. Just pick one, or or figure out like where where do you earn best and kind of stick to that spot until maybe it comes time to diversify. But like there's there's guys I know that are medical professionals that crush it income wise, but then they start dabbling in this and this and this and this. And then next thing you know, it's like, I bought this cause all the guys were buying this and maybe that wasn't a good deal to buy crap and then go reset. And you could just avoid that by like pick, pick your lane, stay in it. Or like, if it's another lane you want to move to move to that lane. But I just, the most successful guys I meet just crush it in one area. And there's some, there's some unique, unique guys. So you could say like commercial real estate could be an area, but you could also just be a multifamily guy. You got to know what kind of guy you are. Cause I, I mean, I've, I've got, I know guys that crush it kind of across the whole commercial spectrum or whatever, but that, that would be it inch, inch wide, mile deep, I think is the, the, yeah, ter- thrown around a lot. And, and I, I love that. That's what I'm doing. And, and it's, this is just this part of the, of the journey. So Beautiful, man. That's great advice. Great advice. Final question from the Gobundas card game is the seven of spades. If you could share any experience with any person, living or dead, who would it be? What would you do? Any experience with any person, living or dead, who would it be and what would you do? It'd be pretty cool to be at the Last Supper. That is cool. What would you yeah, do? I did. The Apostle Rob? Uh, there you go. I don't know. I did. That just that Why? I, I, I can't I can't think I can't think anything more yeah yeah bigger than that so what would be up here is what what what's the why go there what was it what is it about that I mean I I it's there's something obvious about it but I'm kind of curious if you were to explain your reasoning for that being it what would that be why how gosh I mean I don't have like a super deep answer other than I don't think there's any anyone more important like as yeah like it a lot of the things we think about people are all built on a facade. So I just, I, I would, you know, like Elon Musk. Oh man, I, I'd like to go in like five years to the to Mars with Elon Musk. Would you really? Probably be an awkward conversation. I mean, the dude's so impressive, but I would, I don't know. That just interests me. I don't have a really a deep, deep answer, but it just, that that's just a really, it's like one of the, yeah. A moment. <laughs> I had a thought on Christ the other day. And I, I think this is, I think this is true, but you know, the question comes up of like, you know, was he, was he really son of God or was he a significant human being or whatever? And I, I have my belief, I believe in, in, in Christ and, and being the son of God. But even if he was just a significant person, a really, really, really influential person, is it the calendar based on when he like was born or died or right? like there's BC and then there's AD, right? Like it's essentially like right. human brain right. history dictated the flip of the the calendar i mean no matter right what, that's insane right like that is yeah. 
That's significant. Yeah. Even for non-believers, it's significant. And yeah, it's interesting. I think I've heard a lot of people talk about the calendar and like your circadian rhythms and all that. And then that's the one thing this, there was a real, there was a gosh, Brandon Turner, his better life podcast. He interviewed, now I'm forgetting his name, Jeremy. Gosh, now I'm botching it. That's embarrassing, but he was talking about all this stuff and then seven days, like that's, there's, there's nothing about the seven days, like with lunar cycles or revolving of the earth. And it was, let's see, the, the, like a year is based on rotations around the sun and a day is a certain rotation of the earth, et cetera. But yeah, I think the seven days is only the seven day week is religious. That's the only the only one, the only one of our cycles. So interesting. I, didn't know I mean, I've watched that whole thing, but I, I, my takeaway was like that is significant for religious reasons. And there have been like fallouts in, in civilizations that have tried to go to like a, a four day week or a longer week. So interesting. I was look, trying to look up Jeremy on a better life podcast, but I can't find it. So I'll have to keep it. Yeah, totally. I botched it. That's nah, good. Rob, I good. What that, that, that. was that? <laughs> That was a good, that was a great podcast too. I, Jefferson Bethke. Jeff. Yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. Not Jeremy. Jefferson Bethke. That's a good one to check out. Re- really interesting. Got it. Where could people learn more about you? Follow you, Instagram, wherever you want to direct them. Websites, anywhere you want to ship. Yeah. Instagram is probably good at Rob Dubrock. And then I've got another one at Storage Academy. If you're interested in storage, we've got a couple of groups, Storage Investors. And then there's self-storage deal makers. If you join one, it'll tell you about the other one. But yeah, the Instagram's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Rob, Ben, I appreciate you jumping on. I'll see you hopefully in Austin or Lake Oconee. Yeah, yeah, I'll see you in Austin or Oregon, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> you both. I, you might as well. But you plan the year in advance. You start booking trips. You like, yeah, just book them all or book. <laughs> so that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on.